0: Welcome to our soft talk radio. Um, We were talking about kind of just the where we're at in our point of lives and how vastly different our relationship statuses are. So we thought this would be a great subject for listeners to hear. I mean, we have two people who have, quote unquote, the perfect marriage, and we have yourself who's going in the middle of a divorce, which Mm -hmm. obviously you thought would last forever. So we kind of wanted to share things we've learned along the way. How
1: long were you in your ex-husband together? So we were together for 10 years, but we had our first child before we were married on purpose. This We're just kind of rule breakers. <laughs> and so he's 15 years older than me. And, and I was like, we need to have a baby now. I don't know. I don't want that old sperm yeah. messing things up or whatever. Yeah. So I was like, let's have a baby. We'll worry about marriage later. We had a baby. We got married a year later. And we were together for about three years before deciding that we would be better off not married anymore. And it's been a year of, it's been a roller coaster. We still are not officially divorced, but we're going through all of the processes. We thought we could do it with mediation. We couldn't. Now we're deep into divorce attorneys and just the financial burden of paying lawyers and the stress of having two little kids. I mean, it's been a lot. Honestly, I've never missed a period in my life other than when I was pregnant. And last month, I missed my period. From it, stress. Just from stress. Yeah. Like, I didn't even know that was a thing, but i yeah. it's taken such a toll on my mental health where I'm really having to dive in and just try to do all the things that I know will get me through it. Because survival mode, it's hard to be in survival mode for a full year. And divorce yeah. takes a long time. Especially when you're kind of reliant on that partner you've had. You've had a rock when you
0: needed them. And now that rock is gone. You have to be the rock and the kite. You know, you have to be both.
1: Yeah. It's also like divorce, like any other kind of trauma. Well, it's like a death, honestly. You go through the stages of grieving, and first it's denial, and and then despair, and you feel like you got it. And and the thing with those stages, too, they kind of repeat themselves. It's not like you, you go through the stages and then you're done. And it's so important to really feel each of them deeply and to explore each of those stages deeply, so then you can really feel like you're ready to move on to the next one and hopefully not have to go back to it. It was a roller coaster. In the beginning, when we first decided to get divorced, I was missing a lot of parts of having him as my partner. And at this stage, I'm actually feeling like I'm ready to like date someone else. I'm ready to be done. But there's still just honestly, on a practical level, when you have two kids, you need two sets of hands. percent. it's hard for me to get out of the house some days when it's just me and I have to put on, you know, four little socks and then they take them off and then they don't want to wear the red socks and they don't. And it's just... I feel like I need to just take a deep breath many times a day in order to just remind myself that this will not last forever. And it's a growing opportunity. Absolutely. Everything is
0: temporary. So now that it's been roughly a year, do you think you've had time to digest and kind of had that hindsight is 2020 looking back? What do you think led to this? I'm sure it's not just one thing. It's never just one thing or one person or anything like that. But looking back, what are some lessons that you've learned of kind of the not to do in marriage between two partners?
1: Well, for one, rush it. I feel that the red flags that you see in the very beginning of a relationship, even the red flags you see in the very few seconds of meeting someone, you know, there's a book called Blink by Malcolm Gladwell, and he speaks a lot about how we actually have our answers about a lot of things within the first few seconds of meeting somebody or of having to make a decision, we actually have our answers. And a lot of times, those answers are in our bodies. And meditating and doing things that really help you get in tune with your body is a great way to tap into that. And for me, there were red flags in the beginning. For one, I was 24 when I met him, he was almost 40. You know, the age difference thing doesn't have to mean that the marriage wouldn't work out for a lot of people. They have great marriages with large age gaps. For us, you know, this was a guy who really never wanted to be married, and of course, me over here being like, "Well, I I can, I can change him." (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. it's like I'm special, I'm different, and it's not that I'm not special and definitely different, but you know, he wanted to be free. He wanted to do what he wanted to do. And honestly, our common ground that we had at that time together was that we just loved fucking partying together. We'd go to concerts. We would leave and go travel in Costa Rica with the job that he had. He didn't have to really be tied down. I was a teacher and I was like taking you know summers off and we would do whatever we wanted all the time. And the thing that i think i knew in the back of my head but didn't really want to believe was that he would change into the kind of person that could be a little bit more grounded like as a family man i thought maybe you know when we have kids he'll he won't need to go away every weekend and and when we get married you know maybe he won't feel the need to i don't want to say be with other women, but we had this agreement. When I met him, I had very little faith that men could be monogamous. And I knew from my experience with men that they were going to sleep around one way or the other. And so I wanted to make a situation for us that would allow him to have one extramarital sexcapade a year had to be somebody clean, had to use protection, couldn't be anybody we knew, and then there would be no contact afterwards. And I made this agreement with him. I know you guys, this sounds absolutely batshit crazy. And and in retrospect, I have a lot of compassion for the person who made that deal because she was somebody who didn't believe that I could be enough for somebody. So I gave him this freedom of allowing him to have this one a year, and um you know he never used it, and that was kind of the whole like my idea behind it was that just him knowing that he had that freedom and what we had was so special that he wasn't going to have to use it and I just wanted him to be able to have that freedom that he craved so much of being able to go out and like maybe you know finding that person that you really connect with you're like on a weekend in Vegas or wherever you are, and you like find a person you have a great night like just uh, just knowing that he was allowed to potentially have a a night with somebody. I thought that made me one, a really cool girlfriend. And two, I thought it made him feel like he had the freedom that he needed in order to not need it. Yeah. You know, just to not feel trapped because that was my red flag. I knew that for him, I was somewhat of a ball and chain. That he never wanted. And instead, that he- that
0: since day one, he didn't want the marriage and all of that.
1: Right. He was upfront with me about the fact that he didn't really believe in marriage. And he, he didn't really know if he could be with one girl for the rest of his life. And I was like, OK, how do I make this work? Because the thing is, I respected his honesty. Mm-hmm. And he really was always honest with me from the very start. And from the relationships that I had had in the past, these guys were just telling me bullshit. Like, oh, you're the only one. Blah, blah blah, And then I find out that I'm actually the side piece. And they have, you know, a girlfriend in every city. This is a real story. And for another episode.
0: But isn't that so interesting? And I think it's important for our listeners to know, like the history of the men that you date can lead to behaviors that might affect your, your marriage just like this did. Like because you dated assholes in your past, you thought you were convinced there are only men out there that cheat. So if they cheat, how can I work around this? And that's what ultimately led to this agreement, right? Like, had you've known or had experience with faithful men, you'd realize, wow, there's actually good guys out there, which there are ladies. So don't listen to Aurora. (laughs) There There are good guys. But it's interesting how your dating experience in the past led you to such like an agreement that ultimately led to this. I mean, one of the many reasons that it led to a failed marriage, but It's just, it's just interesting to me how like your past can affect your marriage and in your future now. totally
1: And it's not even that like, oh, I think every married man cheats, but in my experience Mm -hmm. from what I had seen and what I had gathered and even from my own upbringing with my own parents, because we know that's your first example of what love is. And it just seemed to me that if you weren't cheating, you weren't happy. You can't, you can't be satisfied with one woman for the rest of your life. And I think what it came down to for me is that I was basing these decisions on low self-worth and not believing that I could be enough for somebody. And, you know, you teach people how to treat you. And that's why I really I want to stress when I talk about my relationship with my ex that I'm not mad at him and I actually and I actually really love him. And if anybody changed or wasn't honest up front, it was me because I was really trying to be I was trying to force myself to be okay with something that I think in my heart I knew I wasn't really ever I'm going getting choked up that I knew I wasn't Oh my god I'm going to cry. I knew I wasn't really ever totally okay with. And I'm crying but I'm not crying because I'm sad. I'm crying cuz like I really feel for that 24-year-old version of me who thought that that's like the best that I could do. And for all the girls out there who who feel that way too. Oh my god, I need to get away.
0: Well, I think I think there's an important lesson there, too, because I have the saying you have to have a me before we because you can't have a successful relationship until you have a successful relationship with yourself. Because if you're insecure, it's going to lead to actions, disagreements, arguments, insecurities within your own relationship. Like you said, like that 24-year-old girl didn't realize her self-worth at the time. Okay. Had she had known everything that you know and your self-worth now, she wouldn't have made that agreement or would have stuck her ground or maybe taken a total left turn to this guy who was giving this red flag. So I think focusing on yourself and and fine-tuning who you are as a woman and your self-worth, knowing who you are and your securities, that is going to make
1: you a stronger woman and a stronger partner in any any marriage or relationship. Absolutely. And I just listened to something recently too that was talking about, I think it was Abraham Hicks, who I absolutely love. And if you don't know about Abraham Hicks, you should go check that out. They have a lot of YouTube videos and stuff. But it's it's basically like being what you want to be being what you want before you have it. So if you want love, fall in love with yourself. If you want a reliable, faithful partnership, be reliable and faithful to yourself because that's the way that you're going to attract that energy. If you are coming into any dynamic feeling like, oh, you know, I'm not sure if I can be enough, then you're going to just teach that person exactly how to treat you. And the thing that was ironic with me and and Mikey is that he in a lot of ways, really helped me grow my self-worth, which is ironic because of the story I just told, but he helped me kind of understand that because he is so self-assured he helped me feel more okay with being like you know what actually this is how I feel about things and and that's okay and I don't need to feel guilty or apologize and a lot of people think the reason we got divorced is because he ended up using one of those one a years that I gave him and he did end up using it and and that's not why we we got divorced we got divorced because I realized when he used it that I'm actually not okay with this anymore. And why did I ever think that this was something that I would be okay with or that I should be okay with? And, you know, he was kind of just like, What do you mean? Like that's the deal we made. That's who I was then, that's who I am now. This is what you signed up for. And and I had changed. And you know there was resentment on his part for me changing, and I also changed my career. I changed my personality you really a mom. because I became that a mom. That changes your world. Yeah. I mean, it totally changes your world. Just in terms of like getting pregnant, having babies. I breastfed both my babies for over a year. It really puts a. I mean, hormones alone changes everything. But your sex life changes. Your you your really energy,
0: have, your body, totally. your mental health, everything changes. And I think with you and Mikey too, like not just you, every relationship, growth isn't inevitable. You need to find someone that's going to grow with you. And I think you just, that you just grew. You grew, you surpassed his own growth. And that's where, you know, the the problems came. But you need to find someone that's willing and able to grow with you. And in those bad times or tough times when there is confusion is, who is this woman that I married? She's not the same. You need to
1: navigate together Mm. before it's too late. Totally. And I think for him and for a lot of men that are like him, kind of these like alpha type, very self-assured, very generous, fair, kind people. But there's some problems with flexibility there. And if you tell him that you're one way and then you end up changing to a, def- a different way, it's not OK with that. Mm-hmm. And so there this needs isn't to, what I agreed to. Right. There yeah. needs to be flexibility in your partnership mm-hmm. to be able to allow for the other person to explore different careers or really anything. And and for me, I grew one way and he kind of just, I mean, he, I'm not saying he made no growth. He's, he's grown. He's an excellent father and, and he's changed in a lot of ways too, but we just didn't change together. And I think ultimately what I believe in my heart now, and this is from a book, Called The Seed of the Soul by Gary Zukoff, who I love, and he's one of Oprah's best-selling authors. Um, He has this idea of soul contracts. And a soul contract is a relationship between two people. And this relationship has the purpose of helping either person evolve into the best person that they can possibly be. And these contracts are not meant to last forever because. Sometimes they are. Sometimes they can last a lifetime. But when you notice, and what I've learned just by doing the work and meditating and really tuning into what my body tells me when you know that that relationship with somebody is no longer perpetuating your evolution you have an, a responsibility to yourself to the other person to your kids if you have them to know when to walk away I think that a lot of times divorce is looked at as quitting as giving up as you know you failed for me and and you know I have to remind myself of this because sometimes I can get in that headspace too but for me, I'm making the responsible choice by acknowledging that if I want to continue to grow and to do my own inner work and to become the best version of myself for me and for my kids, I have to walk away from this partnership because we're at a dead end here. Absolutely.
0: There's this famous Snoop Dogg interview that I love. I repost it on my stories at least once a month. But he talks about if you think about a graph and there's two people and one person is staying here and you're starting to grow, the more you grow, the bigger the gap gets. Mm -hmm. And someone has to either rise up to where you need to be or you're self-sacrificing and you have to lower to where they're going. So at some point, you have to let go of that so-called weight. And I think that's exactly what you did. So looking back now and now you have this wealth of knowledge of, you know, things to avoid or things that you've been through that you don't want to go through again. What are you going to use as lessons moving forward when you're dating and potentially finding a new husband or, you know, wife, whatever you're getting into in this next chapter? (laughs) But but (sighs) what are you going to use moving forward? What lessons are you going to take with you when you look for a new partner?
1: Oh, man. Well, the first thing that I know is that I need to be in the right energy field, as woo-woo as that might sound. But if I'm not meditating, exercising, doing the things that I know I need to do to put off the energy and the vibration that's equal to somebody that I want to attract, then I'm not going to attract the right person. Mm-hmm. And I and I know in myself... The thing is, we can do the work, we can grow, we can change, but there are things about my personality now, just that I'm older, that I know, that I can recognize, that I can spot. I'm an extremist. I'm impulsive. I can be a little, I act before I think. I talk before I think. Great for podcasting. (laughs) I have an editor right over there. But I just know that, I know myself better. I know that the next person that I attract, they might not be my forever person. And I think also one of the things that I'm loving now, just being a little bit older and I have my kids, there's not that timeline pressure for me to find the person, to have the kids that's one of the other things I did. I rushed it because I wanted to have kids by a certain age and and I didn't really care to whom in a lot of ways. I was mm-hmm. like, it's got to be 30 and then you look good. Let's let's get yeah. this thing done. And I mean, that's me. That's my personality. I know that sometimes I can just set my mind on something. And, and if I want that person, I'm going to go for them. But one of the pieces of advice that I'd give to women who are either starting over or just still haven't found the love of their life yet is that, be the person that you want to marry. And then I love that. Honestly, there's no other. It's a law of physics. Like there's no other option. The universe will match you. And I do believe that you take one step in the right direction and the universe will meet you halfway. You just have to be willing to kind of put that blind faith forward and and also don't ignore the red flags because those are the things that are are going to come back in the end. And, you know, your body has the wisdom. I'm such a firm believer that
0: I always say when you look at couples, they're usually batting the same average. So, they're about the same, whether it's physical, whether it's sense of humor, lack thereof, their careers, they're usually about batting the same average because, to your point, that is what they attracted because of what they gave off. So, if you give off your best self and you are putting the work in mentally, physically, spiritually, and you have that me before we, you're going to attract some amazing dudes because they see a queen in front of them, they Mm -hmm. see someone who has self-respect and more than anything, that's what that's saying. That's the message you're putting that off is I have so much self-worth and self-respect. I've grown from that 24 year old girl. I am a woman who knows what she wants now. And men are going to drool and be lining up for you because of that. They want that more than they want bikini pics on Instagram, by the way, ladies. They do not care about that. (laughs) They like it. They like, 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 like they like to look, but they ain't going to marry that. All right. They want the woman who has self-love, self-respect, and will give that to them in return. So I think that that's incredible advice for young women out there.
1: Yeah, I love that.
0: So for me, and we can dig into this later of kind of the do's of a relationship, but I think the most important thing in any relationship, friendship, career, marriage, is communication. Do you think that you and your ex-husband had great communication? Do you think that the lines were blurred? Do you think sometimes people hold grudges or hold things within and it's been too long until they speak out? What was your communication like during your marriage?
1: That's interesting. I I mean, It just makes it reminds me of that quote where they say, and I don't even know who said this, but people can only meet you as far as they've met themselves. And I feel like I am attracted to the man who's mysterious a lot of times, who doesn't say Mm -hmm. much. And I'm like, so so I can just like make a story in my head about they're probably thinking all these deep thoughts, but a lot of times they're not thinking much at all. Mm -hmm. Um, No, the, the men that I've attracted in the past are not communicators. And I think part of it is that they just they kind of like a shove things under the rug kind of people. They don't really want to go there to those places that are not that fun to talk about. And it was a detriment in all of my relationships to not have that communication. I feel
0: like that's a huge trend I see amongst women is they're scared to say exactly what they're thinking or they'll tiptoe around it or they'll brush it under the rug or not say anything or he'll know. I promise you, ladies, he does not know. You have Mm -hmm. to literally spell things out for men or they will not know what you're thinking or what you want. I mean, girls have been in situations where they're like, I think he's with this girl. I don't know what to do. I'm like, I think, ask him. Ask him, are you with this girl? What What do you mean just ask him? I mean, ask him, are you with this girl? Just point blank. And girls are like, oh my gosh, you would just say that? Yeah, I'll call his ass right now and ask if he's with that girl. Right?
1: You're nervous of how you're going to come off. You don't, a lot of, Girls don't like the worst thing in the world is to come off psycho. Or... And it's not
0: psycho, though. It's not psycho having self-respect. And, and there is a fine line. There is an absolutely a fine line. I, I will say that. But being honest and having that open communication is so key for me. If I'm a big believer of like letting your man go out, we rarely, seldomly do boys nights, girls nights. But I'm like, go out, have fun. What I want to know is where you are and who you're with. Mm. And if you leave, tell me. Because if, God forbid, anything happens and I get a knock on the door from a cop one night and they say, we don't know who your husband is, where, when's the last time? Where was he? And I go, I don't know. What a fucking idiot do I look like? Mm. So once I told that to my husband, I think that really clicked with him. Then always charge your phone because somehow their phones are always dying when they're out. But I think just having that constant communication, whether they're out on a boy's night on a trip or even just day to day, like, let me know where you're going. It's those small things that give women security and vice versa to men. I just think having that constant communication is the key to any relationship. You can't guess. If you have questions, girls, ask them. And if he turns it around on you, we'll go back to the red flag. If they turn it around
1: you, that is a huge red flag. Right. Yeah. You have a right to ask the questions that you're wondering. And if you ever feel like, I think there's a difference between questions that are asked from a place of insecurity mm-hmm. and a place of self-worth. Yeah. Because you have a right to know what your husband's doing on a Friday night. Do you have a right to know, you know, exactly every girl that's in the room and and who's there? And d- did he talk to any of them? Those are the questions that I think are... Unnecessary to ask because they plant the seed of distrust and 1000%. And it it's really a reflection of your own insecurity. And if you're thinking those questions, I think you already have your answer 100%. So if you can't trust your man to go
0: out, then that ain't your man. Yeah, that's not <laughs> you your <know>. man.
1: <laughs> you, or if it is now, it won't be for yeah, a long time. Exactly.
0: You need, you can't be a hawk and have spies and know what he's doing all the time. You have to trust him. Give him trust and you'd be surprised how much he doesn't want to talk to those girls because he knows he's got someone at home watching Netflix, let him have some beers with the boys and not bothering him. The second you start bothering him and, you know, going from, asking questions and having communications to being insecure and being, you know, kind of that psycho. That's when guys, they don't want to deal with you. Mm -hmm. I could go on about men, but like their their responsibility to protect, provide to work all day. It's already hard being a man in this world, especially in 2023. The last thing they want to come home to is something to deal with from the one person that's supposed to be their protector, and their provider emotionally. They don't need that from you. The whole reason why they're with you is because they are lacking something emotionally that they
1: need from you. And if you make their lives more stressful, they're out. Well, I don't know. I have a couple bones to pick with that because I feel that we never should be responsible for giving the emotional security that someone lacks. I think they should. we should be two whole people, two emotionally whole people coming together to make each other better. And also, ladies... Don't forget that your man also does not have the right to be questioning every guy that's in the room that you're in either. Absolutely. So it needs to be reciprocal. But I do feel that women get kind of put in a box of like, oh, they are naggy. They ask all the questions. Blah blah blah. But but for some reason, if a man does it, it's kind of protective and endearing. For me, I was kind of always wanting to be the cool girlfriend, the cool wife. I was like not asking questions, not you know. and, And the thing is. It's just kind of my personality. I'm an Aries. I'm an ENTJ. For those of you who who know what that means, (laughs) I have no idea Um, what that means. (laughs) I will go into that later. But like, I'm not insecure in relationships because I don't really care who else is in the room. Like, I'm pretty confident. It's like if you want to come home to me, I'm here. If you, if you know, if a man's gonna
0: cheat, he's gonna cheat. He's gonna cheat. He's gonna cheat. Bottom line, right? You're not gonna do anything to change him. Or more questions, less questions nagging like it's not helping the cause if it's in his bones or it's not right they they know if they're going to cheat or they're not
1: but i think i think all in all the point of this conversation is just that it doesn't really matter how many questions you're asking what the questions are and and who's at, and if he's asking you the questions or you're asking him if the questions are coming from a place of insecurity then they're the wrong questions, and you already have your answers. Yeah. If your questions are coming from a place of just wanting to know, wanting to feel more connected, then they should always be received well. And and if your partner doesn't receive those questions well, then at least you know where your where your places where your questions are coming from, and if they're coming from a good place or a place of insecurity. And I think honestly, the only way to really get get to know that is to do the work and to do the meditation and to really get to know yourself. And that's one of the advantages also of just being an older person. And I'm not that old. I'm 33, but just a little later in life dating is that I know myself better now. You know, I have stronger roots and I'm aware when I'm getting in that mode of like, oh, am I digging because I'm nervous and because I don't trust or am I digging because I'm interested and, Mm -hmm. you know, so there's a lot to to say about that. But
0: okay, so if we could leave our listeners with one final piece of advice moving forward from what you've learned, any relationship, what do you think now is the number one important thing in a partnership and what will hold that partnership together?
1: I think the number one... Besides great blowjobs. Okay. Yes, of course. Yeah. <laughs> sex. That whole... Listen, I was not a perfect wife. I, I definitely probably could have stepped it up in the in the sex game, but it's hard to have sex when you're not connected. Anyway, yeah, that's a whole that's other... Another one. <laughs> okay. My number one piece of advice from somebody who's had many relationships that have lasted and not lasted and all the things, be the person you want to date. Don't expect somebody to show up for you that's going to reflect anything other than exactly what you're putting off. And if what you're putting off is low self-worth, insecurities, you will be matched with that. And that is just a law of physics.
0: I love that. So if we can leave that with you girls, put in the work, be the best fucking version of yourself, And you will attract an incredible partner.
1: Yes, you will. Thank you for being so vulnerable. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.